Well-known author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, trader, Chris Markowski is the watchdog on Wall Street. You want answers? Exposing the lies and myths that the big brokerage firms, the mainstream press, and the government are pushing to keep Americans away from financial freedom. You can't handle the truth. Bringing America the truth about what really happens in the financial world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. I guess Rudolph is coming under fire now, too. Yeah, I read that the other day. Rudolph the uh, Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, 1964. They put that thing together, and the whole um, hashtag stay woke crowd or woke this or uh, whatever, hashtag this. Uh, I guess the reindeers are just, they bullied Rudolph too much, and Santa Claus is just too mean, and we're going to have to do away with Rudolph now, too. God help us. Anyway, welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Watchdog on Wall Street. Yeah, Santa was a little tough on the uh, reindeer. I mean, these people who think that Santa was bad, they should come to one of my lacrosse practices. Okay? See how things work out there. Anyway. All right, let's get into it. Um, another big, fat, huge, ginormous See, I told you so moment uh, this past week. Uh, Postmates. We made fun of how many times we made fun of that uh, company here on the program. Uh, Postmates laying off all sorts of workers, shutting down their office in Mexico. You're not familiar with Postmates. It is another fake tech company. It's a fake tech company. What does it do? It delivers food. That's right. It delivers food. I used to deliver food back when I was in college, too. God, I hated that job. Just this past September, uh, GPI Capital, a private equity firm, raised $225 million for Postmates. It was a bridge financing. They were looking to uh, get that company uh, out to the general public, to all of you fools. That's that's I'm I'm basically this is what the way they think. This is the way Wall Street thinks. This is the way Goldman Sachs thinks, the way JP Morgan thinks, the way Merrill Lynch thinks. Each and every one of them. They want to sell their crap to you fools, you pikers, you greater fools out there that are dumb enough to buy the crap that they continue to sell you. Yeah. I um, I just about had it. I had some of these big firms. Oh, we didn't make, we lost money on WeWork, and we lost money. No, you didn't. They didn't lose a dime. They didn't lose a dime. They didn't make as much money as they thought they were going to make. They didn't lose a dime. At some point in time, I mean, again, I, I hope, I hope that the light switch gets turned on and the light goes on upstairs at people who listen to this program. If you have an account at one of those big firms, they don't care about you at all. Zip, zero, zilch, nada. 
I used to work there, people. Whether it was back in the 1990s when they were taking public companies, dot-com companies, they had a dot-com attached to it. It was hot. It was cool. It was being pushed everywhere. And you were buying. You were buying. When I'm asked about my business, I've been around for a while now, they ask about our success and some of the more difficult times for Markowski Investments over the years and the watchdog on Wall Street. Show. This, is, this is before I had a radio show. I've been, the, I've been on this program now for 20 years. This is before we had this program. I was um, doing guest appearances. I still do guest appearances, but I used to do a lot more of them back in the 1990s. And I would go on radio programs. I would go on TV. And I was the damn whipping boy. I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't understand the new economy, the new paradigm. Remember all those words? Earnings don't matter anymore. What? Well, anyway, that was the most difficult time for Markowski Investments. Why? Well, what do you need us for? All of a sudden, many of our clients, not all, but many of our clients felt that they were just much, much brighter than we were. They were much brighter than we were, and they decided to go the Stuart from Ameritrade route. Remember all the discount firms coming online back then? Oh, yeah, this is easy. This is oh, it's a piece of cake. We're going to go out there, and we're going to trade stocks, these high-tech stocks. Man, they just go up, 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 and up. They opened up basically a casino in Midtown Manhattan, the E-Trade Center. That's what it was. People would go in there and they would trade their E-Trade account. It was a casino. Sorry, uh, Chris, uh, you're, the returns you're showing us are just not the same as I can do a better job on my own. Okay. Okay. We knew the whole thing was going to fall apart. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. Go back and read our columns. Go to my website. Go back and read my columns from back in the day, warning people about what was going to happen. That was a difficult time for our business. It was. It was. People didn't want to listen. They didn't want to diversify their portfolio. And, hey, I like to speculate with a portion of a portfolio too i get that i understand that and we were quite good at it quite frankly in regards to the tech stocks that we got involved with but not the whole damn portfolio not companies that didn't have any prospects these are like people that were like rich for a day Oh, my God, my, my IPOs went up. And it went away as fast as it came, if you do remember correctly. And people got wiped out. People got wiped out. Some came back. Some came back. Whining. Whining. Johnny Fontaine-like whining. What am I going to do, Chris? What am I going to do? No, I didn't smack him in the face. I didn't do that like Godfather did. Like Don Corleone did in Godfather 1. 
you can act like a man. But I, I did tell them, guess what? You're going to have to, you're going to have to suck it up. You're going to have to rebuild. And guess what? It's going to take time. Here's the key, people. Real simple. You want to know our suit? You want, you want to know what has made us successful? Why we've managed to kick everybody's tail now for what? Almost three decades? No shortcuts. Everything in life that has meaning, value, and worth involves work, time, and effort. Period. The end. We don't deviate from that. You get it? We don't go away from that. Man, you can fast forward. You can fast forward to 2004, 2005, into 2006 and seven. All the, the easy money, Alan Greenspan being tossed around. People all of a sudden, oh boy, I'm going to become a real estate investor. And I'm watching real estate in certain pockets of the country. One of those pockets happened to be where I lived. A house for $130,000, no changes made a year later, is worth $300,000. Um, something is wrong. Again, my little bull excrement meter starts going crazy because I can see it. The thing is, people, and again, this is we got a lot of new listeners to this program all the time. Okay, I, I have to I have to go back. I'm sorry. The world's second oldest profession. Get rich quick con artists. We all know what the world's oldest profession is. The world's second oldest profession is get rich quick con artists. All of those things are just a con. And the funny thing is, who is behind that con again and again and again? It's the same people. It's the same companies. the same firms. And you keep going back to the well. You keep listening to them. Sitting around, speaking with my brothers and, and people I know and clients, making fun of what, what was transpiring over the past several years coming out of Silicon Valley. And the scam that we saw coming. Each and every one of those companies that failed, that came out, did we or did we not warn you? Did we tell you exactly what was going to happen? It's, it's nothing new. What was that? Baba O'Reilly, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. There's nothing different. These firms that you're working with out there, these big brokerage firms and big banks, they don't care about you. You are you are a, a low-level customer. You got it? You're a low-level customer. Their big business is investment banking. It's mergers and acquisitions. It's laddering up deals. They want to blow these companies up and convince you that they are star-spangled awesome. 
I, you read some of the columns out there that are actually written by journalists, so supposed journalists. They're just kids. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Capital markets have turned on some of these companies. Capital markets haven't turned. People have just woken up and seen the forest for the trees. At some point in time, the party ends. And when the party ends, guess what? You end up holding the bag. I'm going to give credit where, where credit was due. This is um, a writer back during the 1990s by the name of Christopher, Christopher Byron. Should be a financial columnist. I don't, know, I don't know what happened to him. He used to call the general public the greater fools. The greater fools. Who's going to end up holding the bag? We do everything and anything we can here on the program to educate you so you understand how the world works. We're not afraid of Wall Street. We understand Wall Street. You need to understand where the pitfalls are. You need to understand where the bad guys are. Once you can navigate that, you can build wealth over time. Over time. Not overnight. If it's overnight, it's fake. It's not real. I was thinking about it the other day. Came about it the other day. Yeah. A couple guys, former, actually calling me up after they left. You know, what you want? my portfolio is worth right now. I just, you know, these dot-com, sell, sell them. Sell them now. You got, you got some hot, sell it. Get out. Did they? No. Ended up being worthless. How many times back, uh, us jumping up and down, doing guest appearance, wrote a column, warning, get out of your Enron stock. It's collapsing. It's collapsing. No, no, it's going to come back. No, it's not. It's not. People, please, get your financial plan done the right way. Understand who you're doing business with. And again, Everything in life that has meaning, value, and worth involves work, time, and effort. Watchdog on WallStreet.com is our site. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Our newsletter, consultations with our certified financial planners, all sorts of great stuff right there at the website. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We also have a 24-hour day help hotline, 800 800- Four seven one fifty nine eighty four. That number again. Eight hundred four seven one fifty nine eighty four. Bringing America financial freedom one listener at a time. You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Great 80s tune. Welcome back, everybody. It is the Watchdog on Wall Street show. I was um, thinking back. Uh, it was a piece in the New York Times. Now, when I read the New York Times, I read the New York Times. You've got to understand how you read between the lines and figure out what they're pitching here. But this was a, a pretty good piece, actually. And it was about, well... Keeping up with the Joneses. Title of the column is, wait a minute, 
How can they afford that when I can't? Not kidding. That was the title of the column. Written by an Alina Tujan. She says, I've done it, and you probably have too. Looked at a neighbor or friend who seemed to be in roughly the same financial bracket and wondered, how do they do it? How do they afford the elaborate remodel and the luxury vacations they're bragging about on their Instagram accounts, on Facebook? How do they afford that private school tuition? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, listen, well, we'll get into envy a little bit later on in the program because envy is dangerous. It's one of the... Uh, one of the most dangerous to the seven deadly sins, but people also get curious. And people also look and say, well, what am I doing wrong? Uh-huh. Anyway, um, yeah, this phenomenon is keeping up with the Joneses. And I've, I've talked about this for years. For years. It's getting worse. Social media has made it Much, much worse. Over, uh, what is it, probably about 15, 16 years ago, one of the columns that I put out, simple stuff, was a uh, Markowski Investments watchdog on Wall Street, financial independence, top 20. 20 little simple things, simple things to keep in mind, things to follow in order to become financially independent now one of those things number nine you have greater wealth than your neighbors and they don't have any idea listen i like nice things too i'm like everybody else i like to take care of my house I understand all of that. I don't, you don't see me ever posting that crap on Facebook like other people do. You don't see me posting pictures of my food. That nonsensical crap. I don't get that at all. But the reality of the situation is, is that many people out there, many people out there, they see this and they want to have it. They want to have it now. They want to have it, and they want to have it. Now, these conversations I have with my kids sometimes, when they ask for something. My daughter, I'll talk about it. My daughter wants for Christmas, she wants a, I want a Gucci belt. What? Are you out of your mind? No. No, you're, you're, I'm not getting you that. And of course, he's, you know, 15 year old teenage daughter. You have one. Yes, I do. I have one. And I wear it a lot. It's not ostentatious. Nice thing. My wife got it for me as a gift. And I've got to explain to her how many years it took before we could afford something like that. The work, time, and effort that was involved in getting to the point where I was able to, where we're able to afford something like that. 
You're not going to appreciate that. I get you something like that. You know what? I'm actually taking away from you. The point in time when you're able to afford something like that. That's a good point in time, people. It is. Oh, come on. We all know that you, know, you, you, go, you go out to dinner and you, there's, you go to a restaurant that you remember 20, 30, 40 years ago you couldn't afford to go to. That's work time and effort. We're going to talk more about this when we get back. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We shall return. Wall Street's liars, crooks, and cheats out behind the woodshed. You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street. So let's get back to what uh, we were talking about here. Number nine on the uh, Watchdog on Wall Street, Markowski Investments, Financial Independence, top 20 list. You have greater wealth than your neighbors, and they don't have a clue. Again, I, I talk about being able to afford certain things and it's it's nice it's nice a few cars ago i think about it a few cars ago i was driving i mean a few cars a honda civic that i bought for my father for uh, a a couple thousand dollars a few cars uh, it's about 30 years ago it's getting me in and out of the city was easy to it's nice when you're able to afford something else, and but as well, living within your means, and that's the key. It's what we run into all the time. I know many of my longtime listeners say, you've told this story before. Well, it, it happens all the time. It's nothing new. It happened this past week. Chris, we need help. Can you, uh, uh, got, we got to get our finances in order. I really need to talk to you about where we're going and our friends man, we're all over the place. And they, you know, they come in and I I take a look and account here, a little bit of money here and this thing and that thing. And they really want to make an effort to start putting more money away. And then I take a look at uh, their debt. And tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt. Hey, they still got the club membership. Got a boat have a huge house, go on all these vacations. And again, I, I talk about this here on the program. I think time spent with your loved ones is important. But what am I supposed to do? You t- Put yourself in my position, okay? I'm a financial advisor. I know my limitations. I know that I am not capable. I'll admit it right here. I know that I am not capable on a year-over-year basis to show rates of return between 18 and 30%. I'm not. And anybody who tells you they can is lying to you. So when you have tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt paying that rate of interest to the banks, the credit card companies, you got to pay that off first. And as quickly as you can. But again, these are people that are often, they talk about people living paycheck to paycheck. They always have those uh, the stories in the news. Oh, the amount of Americans out there that are living paycheck to paycheck. There's a lot of people driving around 
and BMWs and Mercedes-Benzes that have boats that are members of golf clubs that are living paycheck to paycheck. I know this. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. The more money they make, the more money they spend. They don't set themselves up. They don't put money away. They don't save properly for the future. Why? Well, got to keep up with the Joneses, don't we? I've got to keep up with those people over there. Well, they've got that. Well, I have to have it, too. My daughter, well, so-and-so's got a Gucci belt. Well, that's nice. Did she buy it on her own? Because you're not getting one. And it's, it's understanding these things and putting all of this stuff into proper perspective. And meeting certain milestones. Oh, okay, you know what? I've gotten to a certain point. And then I can afford this if this is something that I really want. There's nothing wrong with that. Clients, you know what? I want to treat myself. I want to get myself a, I don't throw it out, a Lexus or a BMW. Well, you know what? You can afford it now. If that's what you want, you can afford it now. Are you paying yourself every month? Do you have no debt? Yeah, then fine. If that's something that you want, I recommend maybe get last year's model, the year before, save yourself a little money, but that's just me. And I, um, in the holiday times, after Thanksgiving, all the spending and the shopping and all that, that good stuff. Yeah, can, can I afford to get my wife something nicer for Christmas? Word, wrong word, not nicer. Something more expensive for my wife now than when we first got married 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I can. But you know what? When I got her 20 years ago, when she opened it up on Christmas Day, she was just as happy then. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Get your financial plan done the right way. Get to our website. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Our 24-hour day help hotline, 800-471-5984. That's 800-471-5984. We'll be back. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. Yes, it is. Welcome back, everybody. It is the one, the only, the watchdog on Wall Street. Again, always honored to have you tuned in to the program. Uh, my email box flooded. Lots of questions. I just got phone calls on uh, this one, too. Um, and again, I just a little bit of a warning. You can get my actual phone number to my office, and people call, and, you know, if I don't pick up the phone, or if my assistant doesn't pick up the phone, leave a message. We will get back to you. <laughs> people get shot. I, I call people back, and I'm like, this is Chris Murkowski. They're like, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. We'll get back to you. And a lot of people were concerned. They saw this. It was all over the news. Lots of articles. 
all over the business press that um, Ray Dalio from Bridgewater, one of the world's largest hedge funds, has gone out and, and taken a position, a $1.5 billion options position that the market basically puts that the market is going to fall. The market is going to go backwards. $1.5 billion. People, oh my, hey, the markets are going to crash. Ray Dalio, $1.5 billion investment. Okay. Again, um, this is the news media and idiots on TV and idiot journalists and newspapers that cannot put things into perspective. Ray Dalio's Bridgewater hedge fund is $150 billion. So what is $1.5 billion to $150 billion? 1%. He took 1% of his portfolio and bought put options. That is what we call a hedge protection in case bad stuff happens. We do the same thing in our clients' portfolios, for crying out loud, because it's prudent. You never know what might happen. So you take a position to protect your downside. And obviously when he bought it, he was obviously the put options based upon the economic condition moving forward, that was inexpensive. It was inexpensive insurance for him to take 1% of your portfolio and protect one's downside. And this is part of the issue. We were talking about the, the beginning part of the program. I go back to the 1990s again. Now let's go all in tech. Let's go all in. Let's, let's go with the most speculative stuff out there because it's, the party's never going to end. Oh, really? Again, we, we like to take a look at companies that we think are going to be successful down the road that might be somewhat speculative, but that we think has a, a good product, a good business model, maybe a, a nice pipeline of drugs moving forward, pharmaceuticals, whatever it may be, medical devices. And we'll take a small position in those as well. You need to protect your downside, people. And unfortunately, more often than not, people do not. Put all of these things into perspective. What, do, what, what does Ray Dalio do? What do we do at Markowski Investments? What does Warren Buffett do? They hedge. They protect downsides. That's right. Protect your buttocks, as Forrest Gump would say. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. The only man who is taking on the Wall Street establishment. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Come back. Break, I was uh, taking a look at the, uh, man, what is this, 2004. 2004, wow, the financial independence top 20. Whenever I, I take a look at these years and i say to myself i remember writing this i remember where i was when i was putting this together in, in particular 
this piece, <laughs> interestingly enough, I, I was um, was heading off to the Republican National Convention. Um, it was in New York City that year. But anyway, as we broadcast, that was my first uh, first real big remote broadcast that we did here for the program. But anyway, I'm, I'm looking at the list here. Why not go over some of these things? I haven't done it in a long, long time here on the program. Number one on, on the list is um, shopping is not your favorite pastime or hobby. That's just me trying to be a little bit cute. I'm not a big shopper. I'm not. I, I, do, I don't like to shop. I, I, I really don't. I like to shop for others. I do like to shop for my wife. But if I, I, I go into, if I got to go to a store, I got to go to a mall, I need something. I get in. I get out. Anyway, number two. This is one that often we talk about here on the program. When the prices of equities drop, instead of getting worried, you sense an opportunity. Number three, when stock markets race through the roof, you get a little bit you get a little bit nervous, more cautious. Again, we talk about this all the time. Trimming one's portfolio. The bonsai tree, cut here, snip here. This is a big one. It's a big one. This has been a, a benchmark of what we try to get people to do. It's part of their routine. Pay yourself every month. Every month. You pick a day, whatever day that may be, and guess what? You're paying yourself. That money goes away. I don't give a damn what you think is going to happen with the markets. I don't care. In 2008, 2009, the markets are royal, and you don't, oh, you pay yourself. You do not deviate. Number five is you have an exit strategy, and it's strict. It's strict with the investments that you have. Stocks, bonds, real estate. Guess what? Guess what? You can be wrong. We can be wrong. Ken. I've been wrong in the past. Guess what? We'll be wrong again. The thing is, is that when we say we're out of something, we're not going to take any more of a loss on something, but we're going to limit our downside to this. We don't rethink it when we get to that point in time. We don't say to ourselves, well, you know, me. no, no, done, out. The thing has got to get your state in order, and you have to update it with every life-changing event. Number seven on the list, you have no problem at all selling, losing investments. Another big thing. You, got, you know, you're financially independent. You've been listening to this prog program long enough, and you can detect all of the conflicts of interest with the big brokerage firms and banks and insurance companies and all the crap that they continue to try to sell you. Number nine, of course, we told you already. You have greater wealth than your neighbors, and they don't have any idea. Number 10, can I just go along with number one? You never open up a credit card bill. You don't fear the credit card bill coming in the mail. You know what you spent, and you pay it off in full. Another sign of being financially independent. And this time of year, you see it all the time. The car commercials everywhere. It's the season of this. It's the season of that. You got some beautiful-looking Mercedes or Infinity or Lexus 
with snow and they're they're driving to one one good looking family to another good looking family in the fancy new car. Well, yeah, a number 11 on our list is you can afford to purchase a new car or boat, but you decide against it. You know how long my wife has been banging me over the head to get rid of my car and get a new one? Oh, my God. Oh, you got to get that car. It's not practical for... Listen, it's a real rear-wheel drive automobile that I got in Florida. But again, I grew up in upstate New York, and I never had a four-wheel drive car. I can drive in the snow. I can handle the snow. No big deal. Oh, it's not safe. You should get... No, 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 no. It's fine, and I happen to like it. Anyway, number uh, 12 on the list, when brokers talk about how great they are at picking stocks, you're laughing on the inside. Or 13 is you realize that bonds are not going to show doubles or triples in your portfolio, and they might actually drag down the overall performance. But guess what? You own them anyway. And again, some of the other things that we put in there, preferred stocks as well, looking for those yields. This was actually pretty popular at the time we wrote this. You laugh when your friends talk about some hot new hedge fund they bought into. Think about that. This is 2004. All the hot hedge funds. Today, what's happening? All these hedge funds shutting down. Closing up shop. No, we can't make people money anymore and have us make a fortune as well. The goals, number 15 on the list. The goals for your family do not hinge upon your portfolio posting double-digit annual returns. I certainly hope not. Certainly hope not. Yeah, that's that's a... That's a tough thing to do. Number 16, when you see somebody buying lottery tickets, it makes you nauseous. Number 17, this is a big one, too. One of the things we have at our, our website are insurance health kits. People oftentimes, they don't, they don't change their insurance at all. The key is to have the right amount of insurance, the right amount, and not a bit more. 18, you always try to max out your qualified plans. Number 19, you realize that television business shows are nothing more than entertainment programming. And number 20, when people happen to ask you for investment advice, you bore them. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Become a part of our family. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Our 24-hour day help hotline, 800-471-5984. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street. Well-known author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, trainer, Chris Markowski is The Watchdog on Wall Street. You want answers? Exposing the lies and myths that the big brokerage firms, the mainstream press, and the government are pushing to keep Americans away from financial freedom. You can't handle the truth. truth. Bringing America the truth about what really happens in the financial world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. Yep, economic reality, you'll find it here and this um this radio show what we do here 
I, I, I disturb people. I, I, I get it. Um, we're, we're brutally honest here on the program. Brutally honest. I don't like the sugar coat things at all. They take the jagged little pill. I mention it. You know, Mary Poppins, no spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down here on the program. Sorry. We're to tell people the way things are. And it's just the same way that we do business. If, if you're looking for, if you're looking for a, a financial advisor that's going to tell you everything is okay when things are not, don't come to us. We are a trusted advisor to our clients, the people that we, we love, we care about all over the country because we're honest. Hey, um, I just talked about this. Talked about this at our, our Thanksgiving table. When I get up to address everybody and, and say grace, I happen to have a very dear friend of mine from way back when over for Thanksgiving, and I was you know, a lot of kids at the table. I was explaining, I said, listen, I said, um, good, good friends, real friends, are, are very hard to come by. And, and if you have, hold up my hand, five, if that, if that, in your life, you're lucky. Because what will a good friend do? A good friend will take a bullet for you. A good friend will show up at any point in time if you need them, no matter where you are, no matter what the situation is. A good friend is going to tell you the truth. It's going to tell you the truth. It's going to be honest with you. Even if, it, even if it's going to make you angry and get upset, they're going to be honest with you. And that's how we handle this program. This is how we handle the people that are our clients. If you're doing it wrong, we're going to let you know. Anyway, one of the things that, that really disturbs me as far as the direction this country is going, as far as our politics are concerned, and this is in particular certain candidates on the left that are running right now. They're running, they're running a campaign based upon envy. Envy, uh, I, I said it earlier on the programs, one of the seven deadly sins and one of the worst out there. Who said it? I forget. I don't know who said it. Somebody said that envy is the only, only of the deadly, one of the de seven deadly sins that doesn't make you feel good. If you think about it. And, uh, you know, popped into my head this past week was the, uh, the gruesome movie from the mid-1990s, the movie Seven with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow and how that Kevin Spacey, the sicko serial killer, basically killing people based upon the seven deadly sins and the one that, well, the sin for envy was the, the real turning point of the movie that made it just beyond disturbing. And it's a fun... I, I, if you haven't seen the film, I'm not going to do spoilers here. If you haven't seen the film, 
It is, I'm telling you right now, I highly recommend it, but it is high, with this caveat, it is very disturbing. It's not going to ever be on the Hallmark Channel. Let's just leave it at that. It's one of those movies that you see once and you really don't want to see again. But Envy, running a campaign, you didn't build that. Look at what that person has. Look at what that person has. That's not right. We need to take from them. Divide and conquer. This is what evil people do, in my opinion. Again, that's my opinion. You might be an Elizabeth Warren supporter, a Bernie Sanders supporter. You're not making the world better by getting people and pitting them against one another. And that's exactly what's going on. We have issues here in this country. And we're all about solving problems. We, we, don't, we don't sprout off here on the program and just complain about things. We offer solutions to problems. And many times, again, we'll talk about the drug crisis here in this country, and I'll offer my solution. People might not like it, but that, that's okay. We can have a discussion about something like that. But we have issues. I mean, let's let's face facts right now. Life expectancy here in the United States dropped again. Dropped again. Why do you think that is? Well, huh. I think that there's issues we have here in this country in regards to, and we all know, drug addiction, people dying. The reality of the situation is if you live to 65, you got a really good chance of living to 75. You get to 75, you got a better chance than ever than living to 85. People that are dying are, are younger people. There's a, lot, there's a lot of despair out there. I've warned here on the program about social media and the ills of social media and what takes place and how people end up isolating themselves and living their lives through screens, we don't know of the repercussions. This is all new, right? It's like the people used to, you know, ah, this tobacco thing, let's smoke this. This is great. They didn't know. We don't know what the side effects of, of these things are. People not communicating with one another, not going and socializing the way that they used to through churches and parties. I say that all the time. You know, people, we need more people to throw barbecues and cocktail parties. We do. That's great for the country. Speaking through screens. Speaking through screens, looking at and, and texting people rather than picking up the phone. Writing diatribes on on Facebook and Instagram, political crap, going after people for nothing, getting upset over the littlest thing out there. Never miss an opportunity when something bothers you just a little bit to keep your mouth shut and rethink things. I just got to get off the beaten track to some degree. How many people saw that story? It was everywhere this past week. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it was everywhere. The UK Daily Mail, Fox News, all over the place, over an advertisement, an advertisement that I saw during a football game this past weekend for Peloton. Now, 
I've made fun of Peloton as a company, as stock here on the program, in the sense that they portray themselves as a tech company. And they've got a ridiculous evaluation as far as I'm concerned. And you can follow the stock. Well, anyway, I'll put that aside. But anyway, anyway, I have no problem with the product that they sell. No problem with gym equipment. They run a commercial where a woman gets a bicycle, Peloton bike. It's a $2,000 plus piece of gym equipment. And she was kind of, wow, this is kind of neat. Kind of looked like she wanted it and uses it for an entire year. Now, mind you. The woman would look like she was in pretty good shape when she got the bike. But she chronicles her use of the bike over the course of the year. And at the end of the year, she's just thrilled that she used that thing and what she accomplished with that. And, oh, my God, the get woke crazies out there, your body shaming, and the woman's in shape already. How do you know she's in shape? How do you know she's in cardiovascular shape? Just because she's thin doesn't mean she's in shape. Maybe she felt like she accomplished something. But it was all these people out there wanting to be upset, wanting to get angry about something. How do we get to this point in time? How? How do I get to this point in time where people wake up in the morning and look for the first thing out there to get ticked off about and then to write about it? Or say nasty things about somebody on the internet, on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. I want to give everybody a bit of a newsflash. Those people out there, the loudest voices, the ones that are out there, the ones that the media are covering, I'm just telling you this, they're the minority. It's weird. It's weird. This entire story, we had Fox News, we had the UK, made all these news sources out there pick up on this because of a few tweets. A few people out there with some followers tweeted some stuff, and it became a story. Is that a story? Is that what it takes to be a journalist nowadays? You just go on Twitter, and you see people react to things? You know, we have a rule. Rule that I implement when I coach. I tell the parents. Tell the parents, in particular, when, these are, when kids are younger. When kids, kids are younger, sometimes they won't speak up for themselves. I said, if you are angry, if you are upset with me as a coach, if I did something wrong, you want to take issue with me, fine. The rule is you wait 24 hours. You wait 24 hours after the game, the practice, whatever it may be, then then you come talk to me. The whole idea of cooler heads will prevail. Oh, no. Something triggered me right then and there. I've got to go online. I've got to go start saying some nasty stuff about people. And newsflash, people. A lot of what you're, a lot of the, the, the angst and the hatred that's being pushed around. Yeah, you had candidates talking about this. What a d difficult spot. When it's. It's not as bad. It's not as bad as the media is making it out to be. You see, this, this is what you need to understand. Is the people in power, they want us at each other's throats. They do. They like the conflict. They like to report on the conflict. Going to Twitter? Oh, wow, look at that. 
there's a few people that are upset with the Peloton ad. Let's make it a story. That's not a story. It's not a story. That's nothing. We're trying to drive the conversation. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're trying to stir crap up. You're trying to stir crap. We've got an entire, basically, they treat life, the media, the establishment, they treat life like a reality show. Like a reality show. You know, they used to have the one of the original reality shows out there. I know I'm all over the place on this one, but I would follow me, people. It was the uh, MTV, The Real World, started way back in the early 1990s where they'd pick a bunch of kids and put them in a house, even though it wasn't a real world. They were living in some mansion somewhere. But they obviously had to cast people in there that would cause a ruckus, that would stir things up, that would make, make it controversial, Right? Or wouldn't wouldn't have made for compelling television. They're like messing with us. Do you understand? At some point in time, people, you've got to choose to ignore them. Anyway, got to take a break. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Our newsletter, consultations with our certified financial planners. All sorts of fantastic Everybody. stuff there at the site. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. <laughs> We'll be back. You should believe in math, not magic. You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Welcome back, everybody. It is the Watchdog on Wall Street show. Here's an example. Let's let's stir people up. Here's the the title of the article: Seventy five percent of millennials may never be able to afford owning a house. Is that actually a story? 75% of millennials may never be able to afford a house. So basically, I I could have said 90% of millennials may never be able to afford owning a house. Or I could say 90% of millennials might be able to afford buying a house. They're making a difference. You didn't say anything. I'm tired of hearing this crap. I, I, I really am. I graduated from college. I had student loan debt. It was under control. I moved to New York with very little money in my pocket. I worked several jobs. I worked weekends. What the hell's wrong with you kids out there? Stop complaining. You want it, go get it, go earn it. Another thing, too, because we often talk about colleges here on the program and the importance of going out and getting a degree, getting a degree where you can get yourself a job. Not some nonsensical degree. Finding a degree, getting a degree where you can get yourself a job. Over uh, Thanksgiving, a lot of great parties I went to, friends, clients, all, all over the place. And I'm talking to parents. I'm proud parents. And I, 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 this is awesome. They're kids. They're in their senior year. Senior year in college. Graduating. Not Harvard. Not Yale. Not, good schools. Not the top, top schools. Graduating. Yeah, my son got a job for so-and-so. He's going to be starting at $75,000 a year. They're going to also, they're going to be subsidizing his apartment. 
My kid's got a job, $60,000 a year. One after another, after another, after another, after another. How is that? Yeah, oh, no, it's real tough out there for college grads. $75,000 a year to start with a bachelor's degree? That's awesome. That's a great start. The opportunity is out there. But do we have issues? Yeah, we have issues in our economy. But we've, we've solved them. We here at the Watchdog on Wall Street show solved it, if anybody's willing to listen. Real simple. Real simple. We went over this here on the program. You just eliminate payment in stock, stock option grants to executives and their lieutenants. That's it. They cannot get paid in stock anymore. You want to pay the CEO of XYZ $25, $30 million, $50 million a year because they're worth it? Fine. No more stock grants. The stock grants can only go to the lower-level workers. That's it. How do, you, how do you think these executives get so, so wealthy, for crying out loud? That's how much their pay. It's the stock that they get. And then the company turns around, and the executives have to sell the stock, so the company's got to buy back more stock. And that money could be used to be paying the workers more, could be used for research and development. And it creates a vicious cycle that, quite frankly, I don't agree with. Done. And you know how we got to that point in time? It was under the Clinton administration. Under the Clinton administration, there was a big uproar. Big uproar about, I mean, this, again, this is a true story. Go back to George H.W. Bush goes to Japan. Remember when he went to Japan and he threw up? on one of the Japanese leaders, I can't remember who, but along for the trip was a bunch of CEOs. And in the news media, oh, this CEO's making a million dollars a year, and this one's making two million dollars a year. Oh, no, that's terrible. And again, it made news, how to do something about it. So what did Congress do? They limited, they, they put a limit on how much a company could deduct as far as salary is concerned, which led to what? Stock option grants. Now we've got CEOs that are wealthier than ever before. I just solved the problem. You do away with that. And it's over. And the workers will be much wealthier. And people, I I'm not against billionaires by any stretch of the imagination. If you become a billionaire because you build something or you create something, that's fantastic. It is. You built something. Hey, let's take a look. You know, people's fortunes, right? How much is Oprah worth? I, I don't know. I don't know. She's, she's up there. I'm just, I, she popped in the top of my head. How much is Oprah worth? Billion dollars. I, I don't know. Yeah. How'd she start out? She was an entertainer. But she made good investments. And she built something. Nothing wrong with that. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Again, our newsletter, consultations with our certified financial planners. Become a part of the Watchdog on Wall Street family. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Back. Chris Markowski is the Watchdog on Wall Street. Bringing America financial freedom one listener at a time. You're listening to The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Markowski. Welcome back, everybody. It is The Watchdog on Wall Street Show. 
I want to explain this. Maybe get a little bit delve a little bit deeper to what I'm getting across here. Entrepreneurs, I love entrepreneurs. I love people that go out and build and create. We've talked about this here on the program. Love small businesses. Small business, the job, and it's that that is where the, that's where jobs are created here in this country. Large companies, hire, fire, it's, it's a bit of a wash. Entrepreneurs. And you got an entrepreneur out there that takes a chance, makes an investment, and makes good. God bless them. Why are you going after Jeff Bezos? You may not like Jeff Bezos. You may think he's a bit of an eccentric fool, but hey, it was his company. He went out and he took the risk. He put the work in. He built it. He built that. You get it? Now, when you take a look at um, J.P. Morgan, I'm going to pick on Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon didn't build J.P. Morgan. He may have been a good CEO in managing the company. He didn't build it, not his company. He's a billionaire. How is Jamie Dimon a billionaire? Well, stock. Being issued stock. Now, Jamie Dimon is a superstar, a rock star as far as CEOs are concerned. We can all agree on that. In the same way that... Dwayne The Rock Johnson is now a superstar when it comes to movies. The latest movie that he's got coming out, I think he got paid $23 million to star in. Why? Well, because movies that he stars in do really well at the box office. That's why he gets paid that much. It's real simple. Now, Jamie Dimon is doing a phenomenal job, and they feel that they should pay him. I don't know, it's like $30, $40 million a year because of the great job that he does. So be it. And if he wants to go out and buy J.P. Morgan stock on his own, so be it too. But it shouldn't be granted to him. It shouldn't be granted to him. That will change things. Again, no one talks about this at all. People allude to stock buybacks and all stuff, but they don't understand how it truly works and the racket that it has become. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about all of these um, evil billionaires out there. Billionaire, that latest Democratic debate, right? The talk came, turned to billionaires, right? It's Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and how our system is corrupt. And uh, Elizabeth Warren said this. She said, I'm tired of freeloading billionaires, I think it's time that we ask those at the very top to pay more so that every single one of our children gets a real. Real what? I don't know. Kind of couldn't hear what you said. Probably real education or something like that. It's in the Wall Street Journal. Basically, the point is this. Billionaires are bad for America. Are you kidding me? Now, I don't think... I don't think that most of America is looking to come up with a voodoo doll and stick pins into the voodoo doll of billionaires. But if you were to go out, you were to go out, and the Wall Street Journal makes this point. You're going to go out and you're going to say, hey, could you name for me, you ask somebody, Man of Street, could you name me some billionaires? I, I, I'd say that probably some people would say Bill Gates, right? Somebody would say, hey, you know, Bill Gates, billionaire. Well, Bill Gates was just in Abu Dhabi. And the reason for him being there 
was what? Kids, children. He was attending a meeting of the Global Polio Eradication Initiative. The goal is to make polio the second human disease after smallpox to be eradicated. Bill Gates and his wife gave this initiative $1.08 billion. I, I, I want to get to a point in time, and that'd be great if it happened. I, I, I love giving away money. I, I, I want to be able to give away over a billion dollars. Think about that. 33% of the donations, the $16 billion in contributions to the uh, Polio Eradication Consortium, their initiative, has been from private donors. Who would you rather? Who would you rather have? I mean, you think Bill Gates? If you think of, if if Bill Gates rather gave that money to Elizabeth Warren, do you think it would be better served with Washington D.C. having that money, or Bill Gates keeping that money and deciding how to run his foundation? I'm just saying. Do people think Washington does a good job with our money? I don't. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Taking Wall Street's liars, crooks, and cheats out behind the woodshed. You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street. Well, um, a lot of uh, chit-chat far as the financial world is concerned and a couple questions some of our listeners about the um, Charles Schwab deal to acquire TD Ameritrade 26 billion dollar deal 26 billion dollar deal Charles Schwab Charles Schwab is going to move that's right they're they're doing the buying Okay, Charles Schwab is acquiring TD Ameritrade, yet they're going to move to Dallas. Now, I, I got a kick out of this. Yeah, it's, it, it, CEOs, CEOs, again, this is why I, I, I could never, I could never, ever be the CEO of a publicly traded company. You want to know why? Uh, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Now, I couldn't. I, I'm, I'm honest. I am brutally honest. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. What do I mean by that? Well, again, CEOs have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. Meaning, at times, they have to play politics, and they have to play politician. And they have to say things that won't offend Anybody won't get anybody upset. Charles Schwab framed this. Oh, well, you know, we're moving to Dallas Fort Worth, but we're going to keep a big footprint here in San Francisco. Right. Right. The um, the Schwab's Dallas Fort Worth campus is going to cost about $100 million. It's going to cover 70 acres with 500,000 square feet of office space. They think that this deal is going to take anywhere between 12 
to 36 months. The merger, the merger they think is going to produce, I'm not making this up, not making this up, upwards of $2 billion in tax savings just for moving to Texas. Now, they're not going to come out and tell you that, uh, oh, we're moving to Texas because taxes, I don't want to get anybody, their, their lefty customers bent out of shape. Do they? No. No, but that's why. That's why. Basically put on a little uh, Bob Marley exodus. That's what's happening with all of these high-tax states. More and more and more. It continues. There, There are investments being made all over the South in airports, in infrastructure, looking to attract more businesses out of the Northeast, out of high-tax states, the Midwest, Illinois, California, looking to save some money. And many of these communities have gotten it right. Nashville. Nashville is attracting a lot of business. Lower cost of living. They've made it a a much more, the, the environment in downtown Nashville, very attractive for people that want to go out and do things. And it's, it's, it's working. Again, it's not going to stop people. At some point in time, these, uh, well, these governors and these heads of these high-tax locales are going to have to figure out exactly how the world works. Or that the exodus will continue. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. We'll be back. You're listening to the Watchdog on Wall Street. This is the Watchdog on Wall Street. Okay. Um, and we, we pretty much pioneered here at uh, Markowski Investments and the Watchdog on Wall Street show. Uh, the model where we would help our clients with their health care costs. And it's something financial advisors, financial advisors, stockbrokers, most certainly didn't want anything to do with that and advising in regards to health insurance and keeping health care costs down simply because they don't make any money doing it. We happen to believe that it is a part, it's a major part of one's financial plan, their, their future. And any, anything that we, you know, we felt, that, hey, we can save people money and get them uh, better health insurance, a better option, high deductible health insurance coupled with the health savings account. We were going to do it. And we started doing that long time ago, back when George W. Bush was president. And they started allowing for high deductible health insurance and health savings accounts. And honestly, for the most part, it was blown up by Obamacare really was. I mean, we still do it. We still try to guide people as best we can. Also dealing with long-term care insurance and some of the other things that are involved with this as well. But they blew it up. Blew it up. 
when when candidates stand up, when candidates stand up, when Elizabeth Warren stands up, Bernie Sanders stands up, these people start talking about Medicare for all. People listen because they're frustrated. They're frustrated. What they know, and what again, their initial reaction, what they know is, is that the current system is awful. It's awful. Funny thing that I've mentioned here on the program is that, uh, hey, hey, who overhauled health care last time? Oh, yeah, that was, that was you uh, lefties out there, and you made it worse. You made it worse. I... um. I saw, I've seen my health care costs go through the roof. Uh, my deductible has gone through the roof. The services, as far as insurance companies are concerned, and the various different groups out there are awful. Case in point, my wife needed a um, certain radiology uh, appointment she had to go for, and the, uh, she got an appointment. It was via her doctor. She shows up, shows them the insurance card. Yes, we take your insurance. Um, As it turns out, they didn't. That certain facility happened to not take our insurance, even though they said that they did. So we subsequently got a bill for $3,500. And then some. And I'm saying to myself, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on here? What the hell is going on here? Well, I didn't take, uh, we, we made a mistake, didn't take your insurance. Uh, well, did they do anything about it? They made the mistake. No. No. So I, I've got to fight this. Uh, I've already been thrown off to collections. They don't want to bother. They don't care. They don't care. The system is a mess. How different would it be? How hard is it? Really, how hard is it when you show up to get a procedure, go to the doctor, you know what the bill is going to be? You know what the bill is going to be? You know what your insurance company, what what the doctor is going to charge, what the insurance company is going to uh, pay for, and whatever out-of-pocket you're going to have to pay? Well, again, that's what Donald Trump is trying to do right now. But the entire healthcare industry is trying to thwart him on this. All the entrenched interests there in Washington, D.C. are trying to fight this. Why? Well, again, um, there's actually an interesting piece by, uh, by a gentleman by the name of Craig Wax. And it's a long piece. Making a killing in American healthcare, a step-by-step guide. And he basically talks about how these people, how hospitals are built and how the, you know, they go ahead and, and use a local university to utilize eminent domain to seize acreage for a huge campus, then sell that acreage to you and how you obtain donations. Obtain donations for your charitable foundation. Secure state grants and float alone on the taxpayers for your fabulous new facility. Then declare your company a nonprofit and eliminate your tax burden. Shift it onto the backs of taxpayers. Talks about how, in response to a simple visit to the emergency room, an overnight stay for observation, send a statement that show changes in the amount of the charge master retail price, 23000 to A, government, B, insurance, and C, the patient. 
If the bill is not paid for by the government, insurance, send the bill to the patient for the full amount. The patient cannot pay alert collections of the need to recover the full amount. Yeah, send it off to collections. I'm dealing with that right now, right? If the patient cannot pay and appeals the bill, designate the service as charity care. One of the interesting, one of the most interesting things in this piece, and I loathe this, I do. And I have a large swath of, of clients all over the country that are medical providers, doctors, nurses, people on the front lines. Build an executive administrative class from people with degrees in studying healthcare as a business and administrative specialty. After all, Medicare prohibits physicians from owning and operating hospitals. And who among the public understands that most of the money spent on quote end quote healthcare in the United States does not go to the people who deal directly and personally with the sick, but to an administrative class that outnumbers physicians by 10 to 1. 10 to 1. 10 to 1 administrators to physicians. Yeah, this is something that could be fixed, but the powers that be and the lobbyists in Washington won't allow it. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Again, our newsletter, consultations with our certified financial planners. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Chris Markowski is the Watchdog on Wall Street. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.